The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the art and science of marketing to marketers. Joining us is Dan McGaw, who is the founder and CEO of McGaw.io, which is an analytics and marketing technology consultancy. And prior to founding McGaw.io, Dan served as the CMO of Kissmetrics.com and the VP of Growth at Codeschool.com. And today, Dan and I are going to talk about driving awareness for marketers. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Dan McCaw, founder and CEO of McCaw.io. Dan, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. Looking forward to it. Excited to chat with you. Excited to meet you. A little story for you. My dad was an orthopedic surgeon. And like most doctors, he had two things that were distinct about him. He has terrible handwriting. And he makes the worst possible patient. And, you know, marketers are kind of the same way. <laughs> marketers are terrible about marketing their own products and services. And they also respond to marketing in different ways. You've been working as a marketer, marketing to marketers for a long time. So first off, tell us a little bit about you and tell us how you got into the business that you're in. So I've been in the game for over 20 years. So I got my start in 1998, sending mass emails since before there was even mass email. I've been using marketing technology before it was even a thing. So 98 was the wild, wild west. So it was definitely done a lot differently back then. But I actually got my start in the music business. I was one of the first people to start an online booking agencies for DJs and producers. And I helped those DJs and get producers ultimately get bookings through the internet. So I don't know if you've ever seen the Fire Music Festival, the documentary. Sure. That was my real life, except for I wasn't a fraud. I created an online booking agency, which what Fire was. We actually turned that into an events company, which we were very successful in, except for we didn't rip people off and leave them stranded on an island. But ultimately, in lack of a better way of saying it, I got started by doing marketing of DJs, producers, and then throwing raves promoted through the internet, which was, if you're going to cut your teeth, that's a great way to cut your teeth. Kudos to you for not leaving people stranded on a desert island. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in marketers, what you want to avoid is leaving people, I guess, these days stranded on a digital island. We want to deliver on the products and services that we have that we're selling to marketers, you're moving beyond just having started in Raves. You've worked at some notable technical companies that provide services not only to technologists, but to marketers as well. What did you learn along the way as you started to learn how to market towards your peers? 
the most interesting thing is that when you're marketing to marketers is you have to really understand who in the marketing food chain you're marketing to, right? So naturally, if you're marketing towards tacticianers, there's one way to market. And if you're marketing to a C-suite, there's definitely a different way that you have to market to them. But the easiest way to get a marketer to listen to you was really through education. I mean, when I was at Kissmetrics, luckily the engine that they had built before I got there was all content marketing, completely focused on education. And it really was a bottom-up approach. And that bottom-up approach from a long-term strategy is usually going to be your most cost-efficient. It's going to be the one that builds you the most rapport. And it's going to be the one that makes you the most money if you know how to make money, which I think was a fundamental problem most marketers have is they still struggle with the conversion part. So talk to me a little bit about your experience at Kissmetrics. I, I think of Kissmetrics, you know, obviously the, the company has been around for a long time now. For anybody who's not familiar, it is a marketing analytics platform that helps you essentially create events-based data. You can integrate and understand what is happening on your website and start to build automations around your marketing activities and KPIs. You mentioned that the marketing before you got there was primarily around education. I'm assuming most of that is content-based. What are some of the practices and strategies that you implemented to grow the Kissmetrics brand? When I was recruited into Kissmetrics, really, they had a lot of traffic that was coming through the blog, and they had a lot of people coming through that. But most people didn't know that we were an analytics product. They just knew that we were a badass blog, which is great to have out there. So one of the first things that we really rolled out was, of course, like, how are we going to generate leads from these blogs? And that came down to, of course, creating dynamic ad insertions at the bottom and in the middle of all the blog posts to be able to generate leads. So if you're reading a Facebook advertising blog post, naturally, we're going to have a downloadable case study or downloadable white paper that's going to be talking about Facebook advertising that you can give us your email. And that was like the low-hanging fruit. We created that, and that was a 17% increase in lead count. We're not talking about going from 10 leads to all of a sudden having 27 leads. We're talking about going from having 1,500 leads a month to having a 17% increase on top of that. So it was definitely a notable gain in leads. But the interesting thing was, is that most people kind of forget about the buyer's journey. And I think it's hysterical because marketers always forget about the buyer's journey. They just focus on like page views and clicks. And they never think about, hey, they're aware. They now need to research. They now need to consider. They now need to actually make a decision. So we had to take somebody who was just becoming aware of a marketing topic, then make them aware basically of our brand, have a way for them to be able to research our brand. And taking them through an educational story was the main way. So we rolled out on top of the blog post. We then turned that into a webinar series, which was extremely valuable to the brand. We had a huge increase from that. We then had to focus on how do we convert people from the webinars. Basically, that was also making sure that those people got sales reach out. But we had a really, really good process for them getting a free trial. So we really had to look at like what was that buyer journey? How do we make them aware that we are an analytics product through some sort of educational content? How do we give them the opportunity to research and know why they need analytics and how they would improve that? How do we allow them to consider like their options of analytics? And that was mainly done through the webinar program. And many other companies have stolen the recipe for that webinar program we built. And I think the greatest thing about that webinar program is we did a lot of content repurposing. So while we had a webinar, we would have a guest speaker, let's say Ollie Gardner from Unbounce, that webinar would become another blog post. So we would have a webinar, we would then turn that into slides that would go on SlideShare, we'd then take the transcription, turn that into another blog post, we then cut that up into five different pieces of blog posts, because as you can imagine, a webinar is really long. So that content repurposing, as I called the echo chamber of basically our content, was what ended up being one of the things that increased our traffic by 50% in a six-month period, because we were just able to triple the content that we were putting out. But it was all focused on how do we teach people, oh, we are Kiss Metrics, and this is Unbounce who does landing pages. You want to talk about landing pages? Great. Join our webinar. Oh, great. You want to measure your landing pages? We're Kiss Metrics. Maybe you should learn about how you measure your landing pages. So once again, taking them down that simple buyer journey was what we focused on most at Kiss Metrics. 
It's one of the things that I think marketers understand. You need to think of the buyer's journey, and it's something that we don't always practice. I'll say that I'm victim of doing this with the MarTech podcast. When we think about marketing our show, sometimes you fall in love with a marketing strategy or tactic that fills the top of your funnel, and you just take the middle and bottom of your funnel for granted. There is a conversion rate. So if I keep dumping more prospects into the top of the funnel, my middle and bottom of funnel are static. I know I'm going to have a higher output instead of focusing on optimizing the top, middle, and bottom. You mentioned that you started the webinar strategy and then you did a better job of tying your sales outreach to people that had attended the webinars and that essentially addressed your bottom of funnel strategy. And now you're working in an analytics and MarTech consultancy. So when you're working with some of your clients starting to think about ways that they can improve their marketing efforts, are you running the same playbook? Are you figuring out what you learned at Kiss Metrics and trying to build a content and then retention strategy and driving that into sales? Is it always one sort of size fits all? Or how do you modify those strategies and evaluate them? So in our consulting practice, we don't do any awareness or demand generation with our clients. So I wouldn't say that we're focused on helping them with their content marketing or helping them drive people into the funnel. What I would say is we are focused on helping them, of course, convert those people when they're on their website. So our company focuses on two primary things. Either you lack visibility into the funnel, which is where our analytics consulting comes into play, or you lack the ability to engage people during the funnel. And that's where basically our marketing technology comes into play. And our objective is always to push people farther down the funnel through whether lifecycle marketing, conversion rate optimization. I think the interesting thing is that we do always try to take the same similar buyer journey approach to it. Okay, somebody is aware of us. They hit the webpage. Great. Now they have to research what they're going to do and research why we're the option for them or what value prop do we have to have. And then naturally, as a final stage, you need to understand they need to consider who you are and consider you against your competitors and then purchase. So I would say that buyer journey is going to be something that's basically what we use across all of our clients. But I wouldn't say the content marketing is the same thing that we use across all of them. The biggest thing that we really try to focus on in that middle of funnel, because we consider the top of funnel to be mainly before people get to your website and basically that first visit when they get to your website. The middle of funnel is when they visit your website, they're researching your website, become a lead and are in that middle area there. And that area, I think, is where people really get screwed up is because they don't focus enough on the right content that should be served at the right time. They don't focus enough on the segmentation of who the buyer persona is and what content should be served to them or what type of messaging should be served to them. And I think it's hysterical because marketers who are supposed to be paying attention to this stuff, they lack the ability to do personalization. And they also lack the understanding of whether you're selling to one person or whether you're selling to five, they lack the understanding of how that really works. And that's where it bleeds more into sales. And sometimes if you have a marketer who knows more sales than maybe they do marketing, they're actually better at that middle of funnel work if you're working on a more complex sale compared to maybe a self-service sale. So it gets really, really dense. And have you ever heard of the book, The Challenger Customer? No, I haven't. Fantastic book. I mean, in sales, everybody knows of The Challenger Sale. The book called The Challenger Customer is extremely, extremely helpful for talking about how do you sell to basically an organization where there's five buyers, right? You might have a champion, but there's four people that make the decision. The typical marketing practice is to say, okay, well, let's personalize our messaging to each one of those four people. What actually happens when you do that tailoring in a deal like that is you make each four of those people more aligned with their own personal goals, which means when they come to buy your solution, 
they all are focused on their own priorities, which mean they never purchase. So a natural marketing habit, which is the personalized to each person, if you have five buyers that are making one decision, right, for one company, that's actually the exact opposite way to sell that buyer. So it gets really, really hard. And this is where I struggle with people who are in marketing. It's like, you've got to collaborate with sales if it's a harder sales-driven process, because whether you're going to sell five people in one decision is a lot different than if you just have uh, Joe who's going to buy Buffer all on his own. And Joe's the only buyer. It's a very, very different buyer journey. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. When you think about the nature of marketers, and you're trying to sell products and software to them, what are some of the distinct features that stick out for them or us as a target market, as opposed to some of the other targets that you've reached? I can definitely say this because I am a marketer. Marketers are stupid. He doesn't mean it, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a marketer through and throughout. I've been a marketer since I was a little kid. We are some of the stupidest people like everybody else out there, right? There's nothing different. You've got to make it really, really easy for them. And the reason why I say that is because marketers like pretty. Marketers like flow. Marketers like things that are easy for them to understand, and they like things to go quickly. And a lot of that has to do with the pressure that we have on top of us. We are overwhelmed with the amount of priorities that we have, which means that we have to make a lot of decisions while multitasking, which I don't know if you know the science of multitasking, it's not possible. So we're just forced to be able to make a lot of these gut decisions and go through things really, really quickly, unlike some other people. And I've seen this very clearly. When I was the head of growth at codeschool.com, I had to be a marketer that sells to developers. And if you've ever sold to developers, they hate marketers. They hate advertising. They think we're manipulation. They think we're the enemy. That was one of the hardest jobs I've ever had in my career. But that is a much different experience. Marketers, pretty flow, value propositions. You try to make it really, really simple and fluffy for them. You're typically going to head in the right path. And the reason why I say this is because if you sell a marketer something that's extremely technical and extremely complex, you're going to lose 95% of the room. If you make it so it's about pretty graphics, pretty visualizations, and I say this with all due respect because I'm a marketer, if you dumb it down, you're going to get their attention. Once you get to that crazy in the weed stuff, which I do for a living, 
you lose 95% of all marketers. And it's unfortunately true, but it's the truth of it. I totally agree with you. Not necessarily in the fact that marketers are stupid. I don't think that's the case. I do think that we have shiny object syndrome where a lot of the time we are distracted because there are so many different directions you could take your marketing strategies, whether you're going to focus on the data science component, the creative component, content marketing, performance marketing, funnel optimization, revenue growth. There's a million different ways to sit here and say, okay, I'm going to optimize my marketing. So that leads to 10,000 different pieces of software that you possibly could buy. And a lot of the times what marketers end up doing is buying something that they feel like they need to have, not necessarily something that their customers actually want or something that is a need for their business. I need an ABM solution this week. Next week, I'm going to need a data science platform or a CDP, or, right? We come up with all of these buzzwords and we fancy everything up. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the industry thinks that we need it. There's a lot of bloat, a lot of vaporware that goes around in marketing circles. How do you recommend that we spot what is legit, what is real, what is necessary, and what is just marketing lip service? For anybody who's read the book, Crossing the Chasm, which is a fantastic book that talks about the marketing life cycle and tech life cycle of a SaaS product, like getting your product out there. One of the things that I've learned in my career is that if you're the hipster who's the innovator way out in front, that's great. That's cool. You feel good about yourself. But you have to remember that you're still a hipster. And a lot of the internet or a lot of the things that you're going to be testing out, the shiny objects are not going to work. I would say that like in the spectrum of where I fall in that is I'm more going to be in the early majority of people who are going to test things. But that means I'm in the majority, which means I'm still pretty late. And I'll try to put this into confines to help people understand. And I'll use two technologies that are really popular. Segment.com is an extremely popular customer data platform. I was very familiar with Segment back in 2013 when they came out, but there was a whole bunch of problems with the product. And a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon and started using them as a CDP, but there was just a lot of problems. It didn't work with the internet. Not everything worked the way that it was supposed to. We saw a lot of people get on this. Even after I left Kissmetrics, people were still using it, but there was a lot of problems with the product. Great, you moved on and you joined the innovator group and got involved with it, but a lot of your data was just fundamentally wrong and was ultimately broken. It wasn't Segment's fault, it was just the internet. I didn't start using Segment probably until about 2016 when the product really got its data in order. And by that time, the product was really, really taking off and doing a good job. Most companies still haven't even heard what Segment is and it's 2021, right? So we're talking years after that. So you don't need to be the hipster who's out in front waving a flag saying, please use this tool because usually not everything works with it. And the other flip side of that would be when everybody started using Angular or React or any of the client-side JavaScript libraries, the people who started using it first, well, guess what? SEO didn't work with it. Analytics didn't work with it. A-B testing platforms didn't work with it. So everybody who thought they were being cool and was an innovator and was a hipster, they came to find out after they got it set up, 75% of the tools that they had didn't work with it. Heat mapping didn't work with it. Nothing. And then you had to spend double the money to then make it so that all of these technologies would work with it. Meanwhile, you have people like me that are like, you know what? I'm not going to be a hipster. I'm going to keep using WordPress because WordPress is tried and true. The internet uses it. The internet's used to it. And I was more successful and made more money than most of my competitors because we didn't have to spend twice the money on developing something and then twice the money trying to get everything to work with that shiny new piece of software. Give yourself some time. Don't be the first one to the party. It's okay to be late when it comes to marketing technology because I can promise you this, you'll wind up saving yourself more money because the consultants will be cheaper and you'll wind up making more money because the product will have all of its bugs worked out. So I'll be the first one to say, I'm not an innovator. I'm not a hipster. My clients who force me to be an innovator pay me a ton of money so they can be an innovator. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'll take all the money as a consultant. 
but we're solving problems that they shouldn't have to solve for margins that they're barely increasing. So being a hipster is not great. I agree with you. And I think that the one caveat I would say, there's a difference between point solutions and platforms. I think that you can find innovative point solutions, right? I think you can find something that solves a discrete problem. I'm looking for a plugin that ports my content from WordPress to TikTok because that's a new social media platform, right? That can be a really valuable piece of MarTech. When I'm talking about something like Segment, which is I need a platform that's going to integrate into every single connector I have and all of the different data points, that can be very challenging to build and develop. And you want to wait for those platforms to come to a point of maturity where you're not constantly trying to innovate for the platform. Dan, I think it's really important to think about who your target market is. And it turns out marketers, like doctors, make the worst patients. We're also some of the most difficult people to market to. I appreciate you coming on the show and telling us a little bit about your strategies. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me. This has been awesome. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Dan McGaw, founder and CEO of McGaw.io. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Dan and I are going to continue the conversation and talk about how he suggests you can make your funnel convert higher in less than 24 hours. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Dan, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Daniel McGaw, D-A-N-I-E-L-M-C-G-A-W, or you can visit his company's website, which is magaw.io, M-C-G-A-W.io. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.